0: Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the Service Academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Patty Stoll, a 1996 graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. In this episode, you'll hear about Patty's unwavering commitment to becoming a Marine, including how she spent a year at Junior College and a year at the Naval Academy Prep School prior to becoming accepted into the Academy. And how she used her focus and determination to not only make it through the academy but to also build a vibrant career that ultimately has her working in aerospace engineering and building spacesuits for nasa patty's story illuminates the power of having clarity of your goals and the discipline to overcome any hurdles that may pop up along the journey towards achieving them enjoy the show welcome to the podcast patty thank you for
1: having me victoria
0: of course Uh, can you tell everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Okay, I'm from
1: Houston, Texas. I um, graduated from the United States Naval Academy in 1996.
0: Nice, and to start can you give everyone one to two lines about who you are? Right, so of course I'm a
1: wife first. Um, I'm a mother of twins. They're 14. They're about to start high school soon. Um, I moved my parents in to live with us about 2009 so we're a house full of six people and um, I am the vice president of space systems at ILC dope
0: okay so you have a full house for sure yes <laughs> <laughs> all right well so to begin um, let's go back to the beginning when okay. you were deciding where to go to college. Uh, what made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose the United States Naval Academy? Okay. So
1: probably from the age of five, I wanted to be a Marine. My father was a Marine and he always had so many colorful Marine Corps stories. I was pretty athletic. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be a Marine, but neither one of my parents went to college. I did apply to colleges um, and some of them wanted me to do a different type of engineering. I really wanted to be aerospace engineering. And one day my father came to me and said, look, I heard of this place and it was my senior year that you can start at the bottom of the top instead of the bottom of the bottom, which meaning he was enlisted and starting the bottom of the top, you're starting as an officer. And it was a Naval Academy. And, and, you know, I, I read up about it. If you go to the Naval Academy, you can either select Navy or Marine Corps. So I knew I want to be a Marine. So I thought, well, what the heck? Let me just apply, and um, I applied, and I got the letter back that thank you, but you would, you know, you're we're not going to accept you. Don't even try, sort of thing. Um, but I had a couple avenues working. I was looking at NROTC scholarships, and I had connected with a few um, uh, officers who were Bloom Gold officer, and uh, finally found my way to the academy through the Naval Academy Preparatory School. So all trying to get to be a Marine was the the reason why I chose the Naval Academy and and how I chose to go there. Okay. So you
0: went to the prep school then?
1: I did. I went to the Naval Academy preparatory school. I'm minority. My mom's Hispanic. So once the Naval Academy found that out, they gave me a minorities officer or assigned me a minorities officer. And that gentleman, actually, I probably spoke to him on the phone every single day. And, um, because of my determination, the, uh, the, the review board actually wanted to give me a direct appointment, but he really wanted to make sure that I would succeed at the Naval Academy. So he recommended that I uh, attend the Naval Academy Preparatory School, which gave me an extra year of college. And really, the school is for minorities, prior enlisted, um, recruited athletes that are going to different school, different academies, either Merchant Marine, Coast Guard, uh, the Naval Academy. And that's to just give them that academic background to ensure success when they get to their academies.
0: So, okay. So back up. So your dad really was kind of like the inspiration behind even learning about the academies. Um, He's the one that kind of pointed it out to you. Um, I do love that whole like start from the bottom of the top as opposed to the bottom of the bottom (laughs) Bottom
1: of the bottom. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And um, so were you exposed to a lot of military then your whole life?
1: Not really. My father, again, was uh, in the military and out before I was even born. Um, but the only thing he told us was just military stories about the Marine Corps, and I was just fascinated by them and I was an athlete all through school. Uh, loved a challenge, and I just was inspired by just his stories of the Marine Corps, and that's why I, I wanted to go. No other really figure that uh, was in the military at all.
0: Interesting, okay. Mm-hmm. But you also knew you wanted to do aerospace engineering. I did know that. I was just, I wanted to be
1: an engineer. I, I was good in math and science. And I thought, okay, the aerospace engineering seems fascinating. So I applied to uh, Texas A&M University, University of Houston, all of them came back as, we'll accept you, but it'll be a general engineering or a civil engineering. My SAT scores were really, really low. Um, so I wasn't getting the aerospace engineering, you know, avenue that I wanted. So to be perfectly honest, I never broke a thousand on my SAT. Since I was a minority, that gave me the avenue to go to the Naval Academy prep school, and I was assigned a minorities office because they want to do the, uh, it's the affirmative action, your your quality spread of a diverse you know officer corps that's going to look like you're enlisted.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So so how did you feel about that? How did you feel about being um, denied entry into the academy that first year, but then given this spot at the prep school?
1: Right. I. I had this determination that if you're going to tell me no, then I'm going to find a way to get there. And I was really working two avenues. I went through, also, I mentioned I was trying to get an NROTC scholarship. Uh, I was working with a recruiter. I was also offered the boost program and that the boost program, they send you in, basically you enlist, you go in and, and if you graduate, say you pick a couple of prep schools, you want to go to, if you graduate the top 5%, then you can, get an automatic appointment to the Naval Academy. It's another way to get in there. I, I just thought prep school sounded like a better avenue because there was surefire. If I graduated, no matter what my GPA was, I was going to get a direct appointment.
0: So did it ever cross your mind to, to not go to an academy when, when you didn't get in to the Naval Academy right away? Or was it just you know, like... You, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what I did. I did this. I got denied and I had two friends. I had a friend who was at the Naval Academy and i that these these two guys went to my high school i had a, i knew he was at the naval academy and the other one of my friends was at the naval academy prep school so i called my friend at the naval academy prep school asked him what do i need to do to get in the naval academy he calls our friend jeff at the naval academy and jeff says hey have her get on the Congressman's student advisory committee have her do these couple things go to a junior college so that's what i did i went to junior college um at, at north harris county here in houston and have her only take a math and a science course. Don't take anything else. I got A's in those classes. So that college transcript along with the student advisory board for my congressman is really what got me the opportunity to speak, you know, to be assigned a minorities officer and, you know, get to the Naval Academy prep school. So, so when did you do that? You did that in your senior year of high school? Nope. I graduated my senior year. I went to a year of junior college and then I went to Naval Academy prep school.
0: Ah, Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So, so you were really committed to this. There was no. I was committed.
1: It, it it did. Yes, it didn't matter that. Oh wow, I'm going to be two years older than everybody else going, and that didn't even cross my mind. I just knew that the Naval Academy. You didn't have to pay anything. The only thing you had to pay back was four years of a military service. Quite frankly, I was going to do that anyways because I was going to enlist in the Marine Corps. And there was a time where I wasn't sure if I was going to get into the Naval Academy or get into the prep school. And so I had met with my parents and said, you guys are okay with me enlisting in the Marine Corps, right? Because that's what's going to happen. And like two days later, I got the phone call that I was going to the prep school.
0: (laughs) I'm curious what their response was to that, though when you were
1: okay with that. I I mean, I was just always doing hard things. So they were like, nope, that's fine. You know, I mean, I guess it's better than I was going to go and do something else. You know, if you're weighing the two, that sounds like an okay option. I figured I could go there, I could, you know, get the GI Bill, I could get some education. I knew there was a way to get to the Naval Academy, even through the enlisted route as well.
0: It's interesting just hearing you talk, though, about your thought process, um, and how that two year gap, didn't really Mm phase you because you know I've worked with a lot of service academy students and you know when you're in it when you're like in that transition from high school to college and then when you're at an academy you know you you, it's like this natural progression and it feels like such a big deal if you're off like I worked with a Mm -hmm. lot of students at the Merchant Marine Academy that might have had to been set back a year and I always wanted to say to them like in the grand scheme of life it's okay like you'll if you can get through and this is what it takes, it's okay. But when you're in it and you're that age, which, you know, let's face it, we're young at that age. Um, right. You think it's like such a big deal to be a year or two behind. But it
1: didn't feel that yeah. way to me. I just had like my my nose to the ground. It was like, you know, once I was, when I was in uh, junior college, I was also waiting tables. It was almost like the time didn't matter to me. I was just plugging along. And like I said, neither one of my parents went to college. So I didn't really, they weren't giving me advice on how this is supposed to go. Now with my twins, I know how this is supposed to go. So we're completely set up, you know, they go to, they're going to go to private school for high school, then they're going to go, you know, at least they want to go to the University of Houston and be engineers. And, you know, then, it, and of course that may change, right. But, but I'm able to guide them. I never had that guidance, which is why I was sort of, hungry to reach out to anybody who would give me that information. And, you know, I knew it like I had my friend in prep school, and I had my friend at the academy. And so the goal was to get the academy and to be a Marine. That was it. So Mm -hmm. I had to figure out how to get there. And part of that was, you know, getting a good college, you know, showing the Naval Academy that I can make an A's in college level courses. And once I showed them that on my transcript, then it was just, you know, one step at a time. And I still think that's how I approach life today is just day by day, right?
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I can tell it is. <laughs> I, can yeah. tell, I can tell it is. I'm really excited to hear how you got to where you're at now because mm-hmm. hearing your story and your mentality, I'm sure it's going to be a good story. So, okay. <laughs> but, but so let's, so let's, so, okay. You graduate from high school, you go to right. junior college, you do yes. that, you get A's, you get this, this the opportunity to go to the prep school. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about the prep school.
1: Right. So the prep school was interesting, because it was the first time I was really away from home. And, uh, you know, when I went there, I had a really thick Texas accent. And then when I heard the northern accent, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, what am I get myself into? And I'm used to sun. It was basically cold there, with the exception of three months in the summertime, which it wasn't really that hot. But the cold was really, really hard for me to deal with. But I was there with, again, it was uh, students who were either minority women. So I knew some went, you know, maybe they were there because they were minority considered like the female, maybe needed more help with, uh, with, with college work, uh, recruited athletes, um, the prior enlisted help. So it was sort of felt more like boot camp to me than when I went was at the Naval Academy for the, we had a three week indoctrination period because we had gunnery sergeants and uh, like senior chiefs running us through. Now we had um, Naval Academy Midshipmen come and actually were the cadre and kind of took us through the indoctrination there. But for the most part, during that time and through the school year, we had senior enlisted that took us through that program. So I was wearing dungarees. It was more like really a boot camp to me but it was just it felt like another year of college because we did it was just college level courses so everything I did at the prep school I did over again at the Naval Academy I mean some people are probably like you did junior college you did prep school and you did it over for the third time it never really phased me I never looked at it that way but I made a lot of good friends there and I really feel like um, the school the program it gets you into the military I met a lot of uh, people that really, when I went to the Naval Academy, made the transition to the Naval Academy easier because I, when I'm chopping down the hall and running down the hall, I would see somebody that I knew, you know, from prep school. And actually my sponsor family are the parents of my first roommate or my, actually not my first, but my second roommate Mm -hmm. at at the Naval Academy prep school. And they were my sponsor family all through uh, the Naval Academy as well. So It was a good experience. I would, if somebody said, Hey, you could skip prep school and go straight to the Academy, I would not have changed it. I was still done that year because I really matured a lot in those really two years, junior college and prep school to get to Naval Academy. I I, I can't even imagine going in directly from high school because I was such a baby. (laughs) So, you know, I had a lot of experience, just street experience under my belt before I got to Naval Academy. So the prep school, it was a, it was a good transition. It got me. Yeah. So when I got to Naval Academy, it made the whole military. It's like, oh, I've been shining my shoes, real leather shoes, not these chloro- chloroform, you know, shoes. It's the real leather shoes. So I, I enjoyed it. It was just another year of college, really wearing dungarees mm. <laughs> and
0: being enlisted. Yeah. Yeah. But it's in Rhode Island, right? Just it is Newport, yeah. Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that's that's so interesting, because I can imagine, yeah, between the military experience and, and, and the academics, because these are these are things people really struggle with when they go right from high school into the Naval Academy. So, you know, just hearing you talk, I mean, I can only imagine with the right mindset how much that would really give you a good setup.
1: Right. It takes the military shock out of it. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. All right. So you get out of the prep school and then Was there a delay between prep school and the Naval Academy? No, I actually, it's funny because I had never been to the
1: Naval Academy. I actually didn't even know where it was. I mean, remember, I'm just like Texas girl. (laughs) I had never, I had never seen pictures. I'd never been there. And so when I was at, uh, at the Naval, at the Naval Academy prep school, we took a, um, a three month in October of the first year I was there at the prep school Uh, It was a three, uh, it was a three day, not three months, three months into the school, three days, we came to Naval Academy, and it was during the dark ages. So the dark ages is when it snows there and it's just cold. And I remember I went there and I thought, I don't want to go here. This place is miserable. Like, you know, I didn't feel like anyone was friendly. It was cold. It was snowing. I'm like, I hate it here. You know, I kind of had those (laughs) thoughts, but I thought I don't, I didn't have an option, no other option. So of course, as soon as I was done with the prep school. Um, I think maybe we had a month, I maybe came home for a month or a couple of weeks. I can't remember when we, I mean, maybe we ended in May and started in July 1st, I think is the women come in and prior enlisted, they kind of did it at, at differently at that point where you come and you get, you know, you go through the whole processing. I think it was like the women and the enlisted and that's how we did that. But no, there was no transition. I mean, I came home. I remember I exercised a little bit and then I was right straight to the Naval Academy.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, so let's dive into that. And before we dive into that, first tell me, if you had to sum up your time at the academy in one word, what would it be? Challenging. Okay. What does that mean to you? If you take the
1: regular student, right, they may go to school, you may have one who's really good at baseball. So that's their priority, you know, or you may have one, that's good at an extracurricular activity, maybe they're into scouts or something. But when you go to the Naval Academy, or any academy, for that matter, you're doing academics, you're doing military, you're doing sports, and you have to do them all really well. (laughs) Mm. You don't you don't get to just say, hey, I excel at military. So look at me No, you know, you have to do intramurals, or if you're a recruited athlete, you still have to do military. And we still all have to do really well academically, or we don't. We, you know, who cares about the, uh, the, the sports when you get out, you know, you have to graduate with a college degree. I mean, that's the main reason why you're there. So I would say, and while I was there, my plebe year, it was right after plebe summer, I contracted meningitis. So add another thing onto that, you know, I was in Bethesda for internal medicine for 10 days coming out and our upperclassmen were coming back to start the school year. And I didn't know anyone. And I just felt behind the power curve. So when you add all that together, I would say it was challenging. Is it a challenge that you can overcome and succeed? Like, absolutely. But I would say it's not for like, you know, really the the, the weak at heart or anything. I mean, you have to be ready to, to work hard and you're going to have successes, but you're also going to have failures and to be able to turn that into success and learn from that. You know, so mm-hmm. I would say challenging.
0: Yeah. Wow. You said a lot there and we're going to dive into some of those hard times for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. do you feel like that? uh, that the prep school gave you a leg up academically? I don't
1: think so. I mean, man, there are so many smart people that, that, um, are there. I think what the prep school did is it gives you the proper study habits. Mm. Like you had a certain time you had to study and you were taking college level courses. So that was maybe a little different than high school. But again, I had a, a year of junior college under my belt. So I, I pretty much Uh, probably would say the couple years of academics was probably a good thing. I didn't, I think at the end of PLEEP summer, in my opinion, I would say everybody was on a level playing field. Um, So everybody who had gone through that's not like, wow, you went to prep school and you're two years older. So you're just, you're going to ace four years in PLEEP summer. It didn't really work that way. You know, really how I look at it is like it's your own personal journey, right? You just have to make sure you're prepared and your only competition is you, because you don't want to start comparing yourself to the other valedictorians, and other people who are testing out and skipping two years of school, it's like, no, 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 I'm just going to take my English one, my chem one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you, did you decide to go uh, into aerospace engineering? I mean, right away? And how did that go for you? Really,
1: you don't have to declare your degree, um, what degree or what major you're going to have to the end of your, like, youngster years. So it's, your sophomore year, the end of your sophomore year. So I had a couple years to, you know, go through academics and everything. And I was not stellar academically. Uh, you know, I just wasn't, I had to work real hard. I, I, I was smart and tutored a lot of people, but I had terrible test anxiety. Um, so a lot of the, the coursework for the aerospace engineering, it was difficult, but I knew right away I was going to do it. And I just didn't let it stop me. And I just worked yeah. harder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's that, there's that mentality. You're just going to get it done. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, so tell me about some of the greatest highlights and most memorable moments for you during your time at the Academy.
1: Well, I would say the most memorable moment, at least for me was when we did service selection for the Marine Corps. I mean, you know, I went through the interview, I had to be interviewed, uh, by a board of, um, it was, I think, four naval officers, and maybe one or two Marine Corps officers, that was a little nerve-wracking, right, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because I played, I played Division One soccer, so there were some things I couldn't do in the summertime, or, or, you know, that, that they would say, why didn't you do this, you know, uh, Marine Corps training, I was doing soccer, but again, you know, I w- was always thought I needed to give 100% before I would go do something, but I, I did that, so once I had at least made it through the interview and was able to select Marine Corps aviation. It was really like the icing on the cake. Cause if you remember that's since I was five years old, I wanted to be a Marine. Um, so that was kind of like, okay, I'm a Marine cause I knew going in the Naval Academy there, there may, something may happen and I may have to be a surface warfare officer or be a Naval officer. And I had decided to myself, that would be okay. I said, if, if something happens and I have to go Navy, I'll be fine with that. But so getting that Marine Corps billet was, was a really big deal for me.
0: Mm, yeah. Since you were five years old. Uh, yes,
1: people, since people I was like,
0: like you're yeah. so fascinating to me. <laughs> it you know, is
1: like, re- it is really yeah. odd. It it is. Yeah, it, yeah I was like, I want to be a marine. Even when I was would chop around, you would say go navy. But when one I, one of my upper class found out I want to be a marine, and when I was outside his door, I had to say go marine corps, sir, go marine corps, sir, because he wanted to be a marine too. So
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, Were there any other major highlights during your time at the Academy? You know, I'm
1: sure there were like plenty with the summer cruises and things that I had to accomplish and do, but it always was around the Marine Corps. I mean, I just enjoyed all the Marine Corps training and it was hard. But I, I learned a lot about myself and was able to overcome a lot of things. And you know, we did obstacle courses in the Marine Corps. Some of those obstacles were hard. Even at the Naval Academy, we had to do some of that in the summer training. So being able to master those things, uh, was, it was it was a big deal for me personally, because I'm always, like I said, my own self-motivator, my own worst critic, you know, always telling myself, hey, you can do it better, you can go harder. Uh, so, you know, I would say it was mastering all those things that got me to the Marine Corps, really, and really graduating from the Naval Academy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so leading up to that, knowing that you wanted to be in the Marine Corps, um, were there any other opportunities that you did throughout your mm-hmm. other, you know, your three other years that were Marine Corps specific?
1: Yes, there, there was one thing called the Semper Fi Society. And if you wanted to be a Marine, you could join it was a club. But the main thing was called Leatherneck. And it was an entire month. And if you wanted to be a Marine, you were highly encouraged to go to Leatherneck. And so you go to the basic school and you basically do everything that you're going to do in six months in that short time of one month. So all of your running obstacle course, endurance course, you do everything. We did it there and it was mostly all physical uh when we were there. So there wasn't really a lot of academic work during Leatherneck. I had a friend of mine who was at the Naval Academy who really wanted to be a Marine, but that summer she chose to go do something else, you know, more personal and it really came back to bite her. So at the end of the day, if you wanted to be a Marine, you needed to go to that Leatherneck training. And when was that? That was the sec- my uh my summer going into my first class year. So okay. like my first class summer, right?
0: Yeah. And did you enjoy
1: that? I did because I'm a physical person. So like I said, I, you know, athlete and it really challenged me. I just loved being with the Marines, right? We had enlisted, taking us through the training and I just, I, anything that was Marine Corps, I just loved. It was hard. It's physically everything I've done, Naval Academy up through the Marine Corps was hard physically and for different reasons at different times. Just sometimes you didn't hit your physical peak. But when I got to the, but but when I commissioned, I was in the Marine Corps, I was running seven minute miles. So I had trained myself to do that. I knew what I needed to do to get there. So it gave me an idea of what I needed to do. And yeah, it was, it was a great experience.
0: I love the fact that you're my first person on this podcast. That's a Marine, um, because (laughs) you're like the best advocate for the Marine Corps.
1: Oh, I love the Marine Corps. I still do.
0: Okay. So just tell me just a little bit here. What exactly about the Marine Corps draws you to it?
1: You know, it's like the few, the proud. It's the best of the best, the way that I see it. Right. Um, it's all, everything physical that goes into it. It's, it's the camaraderie and esprit de corps. I mean, I, I, I can't think of really any other service that has, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. Like if I, no matter where I go now, and I, I wouldn't have known it then, but I, but I know it now. It's like, Oh, hey, Marine, it's like instantly you're friends with that person instantly, even when I was on deployment, you know, that I, I got a, a good friendship with the special the recon uh, team that was that was on our ship. And we just look out for each other. And it's just that it's that esprit de corps. It's the camaraderie. It's that we're Marines. We do everything harder and tougher. Right. So you come out and it's like, we're the best. And that's what we think. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I do. I, you know, from an outside looking in perspective and by the way, being in the merchant Marine, I get asked right. if I'm in the Marine Corps all the time. <laughs> i like, You definitely should say not. I am. I'm in the Marine.
1: <laughs> yeah. marine. Uh,
0: but no, but, but um, from the outside looking in, I, I definitely have always had that impression actually that the Marine Corps is kind of like t- very tight knit, you know, right. a smaller, smaller unit. So, uh, so that's, that's interesting. Um, yes. Okay. All right. Well, so let's, let's dive into some of the lowlights of your time at okay. the academy. You did toss out there with the word meningitis, I believe. I heard. Right. So, yes. But, I got, yeah,
1: Yeah, that was crazy. It was right at the end of plebe summer. I did get meningitis and of course it took a couple of weeks to diagnose it. So I just got worse and worse and worse. Um, so I, I was, um, taken by ambulance to Bethesda and they did a spinal tap there and found out, yes, indeed I had meningitis. So I was there for 10 days. Um, and and I had a couple of upper class come and visit me. My mom was actually going to fly out and she decided not to. So I did kind of go through those 10 days all by my little self. Right. Um, but then when I came back, It was the, okay, now you're still feeling okay, but you haven't done anything physical for a long, call it three weeks if you want to. Mm. Um, So, you know, it was getting that whole physical back. Also at that time, our upper class were coming back. And at that point, you're supposed to know all their names, right? You never put a name to face, but you know their names and you're supposed to know all their names. And I remember um, a friend of mine, she's a friend of mine, but she had told a couple of other friends of mine now, I don't, she's not going to make it when she comes back. Now I didn't know that till, you know, uh, maybe later on in the year, but I could see where she was coming from. Right. I had missed 10 whole days, if not more being sick and and missed out on a lot. Um, but again, it was just my drive and determination that I I wouldn't, I didn't care how many times I got yelled at. I'll eventually get there. I'll eventually get it. My instructors were so great. I love, I mean, I have to say all, probably all professors at all service academies. I mean, they found out, you know, I had been sick, they caught me up. I mean, they were really gracious about it. It was just so it was a bad time. I was all alone. You know, usually you're sick in the hospital, you have mommy or daddy there, you know, by your bedside, and someone's sleeping through the night with you. But I was all alone. (laughs) I remember even when I got to Bethesda, I was in the emergency room, but in the waiting room. And I had was on the ambulance with another uh, major, and his wife, and I guess he was sick as well. And so he's back there being seen and I'm about to pass out in the waiting room. And she's like, she hopped to like, just like my mom and got the nurses and the doctors and she needs to be seen right now. Like she was uh. screaming at him. And that's the last thing I remember. But, you know, again, all alone, coming back to being all alone to people who didn't know you were in Bethesda for 10 days and then having to just take all the yelling and then get right back into it. But I made it, you know, it's another time where you have an experience like, yeah, it could be really low, but never thought about leaving. Um, You know, it just made me stronger to keep going. Just kind of now looking back, prove to myself that I can do it. You can try to, you know, contract meningitis, but I'm still going to do it. So that was kind of a, I would say a low point for me.
0: I definitely want to remind listeners uh, because I'm thinking about it myself. Like you know, you painted this picture of you alone in this hospital at you know, what were you like nineteen maybe? And um I was probably twenty because I had a couple years under my belt. So Yeah. So still like young. Yes. Young. Your and, baby. And and also, um, it was what nineteen yeah, ninety what? 1992, Ninety two. Nineteen 1992, two. Ninety two. yep. So it was nineteen ninety-two. Right. You did not have a cell phone that <laughs> nope. you could text nope. anyone. Um, right. So you were really by yourself. And that yeah. is hard. That is hard. Especially is coming, hard. coming off plebe summer and oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like you said, you got through, made you stronger. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, did you get to see your, your parents a lot? Did they come out and see you? They didn't come out and see
1: me because my parents, they, were, I would say, you know, worked the uh, more like blue collar, right? I mean, they were working um, normal. My mom worked three jobs, you know, she was waiting tables, also working as a receptionist. My father worked construction. So they didn't really have a lot of resources to come out there like you would see some parents do. You know, they're always out, oh, my parents are here for the weekend. My parents didn't do that. I pretty much had to go home to see them. You know, they couldn't be here when I was in Bethesda for me when I had meningitis and I couldn't be there for them my father was very active. He had a bicycle accident. He flew over the handlebars. He was at that time, you know, it was a shock to his system. He couldn't feel anything from the legs down and I couldn't go home. And the reason why I couldn't is because there was just no real opportunity for me. It was, you know, I was in my senior year. I couldn't uh, leave to come home for even a few days because a few days missing academically for me would be a big deal. But you know, I was sort of on, on a mission. I, I really didn't have the time to come home and I knew he was in good hands. So that was hard, but he's 83 and still alive today and lives with me now. So I think wow. I'm getting, yeah. it's, it's, I'm yeah. making up for the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let, let's talk about as you approach graduation, because um, you were very clear what you wanted to do. And um, I'm, I'm actually just really curious, like talking about your parents, um, how your dad must've felt with you oh commissioning into the Marine Corps. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he was like living like vicariously through me. I mean, he was so proud. And, and I just remember just from when I was a little girl, it must've just made his just his heart so happy that I'm going to be a Marine. I'm going to be a Marine. And, you know, he always told me you can do whatever you want to do. Nothing I ever told him or my mom shocked them. Like I'm going to go do this. Even in high school, I played on the men's soccer team because they didn't have a woman's soccer team. Mm. there wasn't any shock there either. I was the only, you know, female on the team. Um, So, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, really, it was And I had became friends because of the meningitis with the senior Marine there on campus, his name, uh, Colonel McCormick. And he they did a write up of me for parents weekend, he saw I wanted to be a Marine, I get out of Bethesda, I find this nice note from the senior Marine, there at the Naval Academy, um, to just come and meet him in his office. So I go, you know. Uh, fourth class midshipman to Spain. And I go and talk to him and we strike up a friendship and he lives right there on the yard. And he's like, anytime you want to come study, you come study at my house. And he had three stories. He was on base housing. And I would go down to his basement and study and they would have the dumbwaiter and they were always entertaining. So I'd be down there studying and they would send me food and drink uh, (laughs) down there. Yes. So, so, you know, of course having Colonel McCormick and his wife and then my father, and it was just, everything was Marine. So obviously I was even telling the, you know, the reporter that I was going to be a Marine, um, you know, because, uh, I met Colonel McCormick and it was, it was a big deal because I did have that home away from home with Colonel McCormick. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds. So everybody was
1: happy. Yes,
0: It was, um, just real quick. Did you play a sport at the Academy?
1: I played women's soccer. Yes. Okay. And, 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 the first year I was there, it was a club sport. We weren't even a, a really a division one sport. It wow. was my, my sophomore year that we, uh, the coach, um, Karen Gabera, she was on the women's national team, women's Olympic team, soccer team, the uh, Naval Academy got her to be our coach. I don't know how, but maybe because it's Annapolis, and it's the Naval Academy and she's still the coach today. Can you believe that?
0: Wow. wow. Still the
1: coach today, still had the same assistant coach, uh, Rob Lank. He was a Naval officer and then retired and still the assistant coach there at the Naval Academy. So it really helped to have, um, to play soccer. I love soccer. I played soccer all my life, but to have the com- the additional camaraderie with the soccer team.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, was it made a, an official sport, not a club sport while you were there or did that come later right.
1: on? The second okay. year I was there, my, second my, uh, okay. yeah, my sophomore year, uh, my youngster year, yes, they became a division one sport. And then they were able to recruit athletes. So luckily, um, I was, you know, getting older. And, um, you know, I still played, I I didn't start all the time. But I still start from, you know, most of the time, uh, when I was there, but it was nice to have the recruited athletes, because then it was like, Okay, now we're playing soccer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. That's pretty cool that you were there for Mm -hmm. that transition.
1: It really Um, was. It was exciting.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So that's a huge highlight, I'm sure. Um, yes, yeah. But all right. So so back to the commissioning. You commission into the Marine Corps. Uh, it's a, Everybody's happy. You're happy. Yeah. You're finally a Marine. Um, you have your aerospace engineering degree. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell me what happens. You graduate and what happens? I graduate and
1: I have one month to go before I go into the basic school. So every Marine, um, as a second lieutenant goes to the basic school, no matter if you go to college and you go NRTC scholarship, you know, no matter how you go, you're going to the basic school. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I had one month and I knew, you know, at the end of my, uh, Naval Academy career that I, I needed to work on my running. So I got a gym membership and, and, and what I did for, for an entire month is just ran, 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 you know? And so basically I had that one month you know, went to the basic school, and that's really where we got started. And the basic school was sort of like Leatherneck. I told you about that one month Leatherneck mm-hmm. training I had in the summer, but it was a six month and we got a lot more academics. I mean, there you really become a Marine. Really, they say every Marine's a rifleman. And so that's where you're really learning, you know, to shoot. I mean, you're, you know, we're on the range a lot, uh, a, a lot of physical activity, but not as much as I experienced at Leatherneck because Leatherneck was squeezed six months of physical activity into one month, three, six months to one month. Here, you've got a lot more room to really work up, work out, increase your strength. That's where I started lifting weights with a friend there. And I was running the seven, seven and a half minute miles really helped me there probably got the best physical score uh, on, on a PFT that I've ever gotten there. I was really in great shape. Uh, we did pugil sticks, which was a great thing because I was a fighter. Unfortunately, I had some fights in high school. Uh, So I've always been a fighter, um, you know, and so we we did a lot of that uh, stuff at the basic school The you know, the hand to hand combat. I mean, just really what I want, really what I would been working for, for what, you know, four or five, six years, you know, are really, if you say starting at five. So, you know, I was sort of in my element there. Mm. Um, and just learning, you know, everything about the Marine Corps didn't really have to use my aerospace engineering. And I wouldn't say that the academics helped me only because I was just, I had terrible test anxiety. So it was always, no matter what I was doing, barely eking by on something. So, but I made it, you know, and uh, physically I, I was doing really well. I would say I was, it opened my eyes because I, I said, Hey, you know, these are the best of the best, but you know, you have some Marines who maybe aren't physically as fit as you and others, right? So the I, I was kind of taken aback a little bit by, you know, maybe some of that and, and actually, um, doing outperforming some of the men, which in my opinion, you know, a woman who can physically do it, at least how I saw it, puts you average with the other men. <laughs> you mm. have to do, at least I feel, you know, double what a normal man would have to do, you know, to prove yourself there. So I could do a flex arm hang and I could do pull-ups. So because I could do pull-ups, oh, okay, Patty is here average, right? Mm. Um, so uh, it was really, and and we did the 20-mile hump, you know, or 20 miles. Uh, uh, it was 60 to 100 uh, pounds on your back. The women's packing list, I think, was 60 pounds. The men, I think they were 100 I didn't tell anybody I packed the hundred, right? Why? Because Patty's got to prove to herself that she can do what the men can do. And so, you know, we, we, I went out there and did the 20 miles. I mean, I, as people are falling out, you know, their feet are hurting. I kept plugging along and it, it challenges you all the way around. Some of the things I did then, I, I think you just, you go mind them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I always say it's a mental thing. You just say, everybody's doing it. As long as I'm putting one foot in front of the other, I'm going to get there. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I love the basic school. It was challenging, very challenging. The whole experience was just everything I thought it was going to be, right? Yeah. I just, I loved it, right?
0: Yeah. It sounds like that was like <laughs> the culmination of it your really like was. five-year-old dream. Yeah.
1: <laughs> other than when I was actually in the Marine Corps, you know, not yeah, at the basic yeah. school, but out of my MOS school and
0: actually in the fleet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh you must love putting the uniform on, huh?
1: Oh, yes. yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you get out of basic school. Tell me a little bit about what your career trajectory has been like since then.
1: Okay. So after that, I, I, like I said, I wanted to be in the air wing and that's what I chose. And I chose air traffic control. So I went to a three month air traffic control school at Pensacola, Florida. After those three months, I was stationed at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar. It was not a Marine Corps Air Station when I got there. It was still a naval air station. So I had a crew. I came in as a, a crew officer. I had a crew of um, more sailors than I had Marines. But, um, you know, a few months into that, uh, the Marine Corps took over that air, air station, and, and I had a whole crew of Marines as the sailors worked their way, their way out. So I was there for five years um, at different detachments there um, at, Marine, at Miramar. Uh, During that time in 2000, I deployed with the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit to the Middle East, and that was an eye-opener. Really, I think at that time going into the deployment, I was going to do 20 years in the Marine Corps because, again, I always wanted to be a Marine. That's what I was going to do. I grew up a lot, a lot during all of that time. Uh, You know, I did uh, six months deployment. You know, we had an accident workups where we lost, um, uh, it was 11 Marines and a corpsman in a a vertical uh, boat search and seizure where the 46, um, the tire got caught in the cargo netting around the ship. And we lost, um, a lot of Marines that day. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I, I, I was living with our stateroom. We had a couple of nurses that, that were there with us. I just experienced so, so much from the time of prep school all the way to the time, you know, it was like, you know, 2000. And after that deployment that I thought, man, I just want to go home to my mommy and daddy.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: I just was like, I want to get married. You know, I I I I mean I had dated, but um hadn't really, you know, with the military is is so hard. Everything was a long distance relationship and it makes it really hard unless, you know, you know you're really in love and you're gonna spend the rest of your life with that person. And uh, you know, I hadn't found anyone like that. So then I decided I'm I'm getting out of the Marine Corps and I'm going back to Houston. I'm gonna come back to Houston. I didn't really know you know, 100% that I was coming back to Houston, but I thought, okay, well, let me let me go. And um, I knew there was a, I knew here, I had my aerospace engineering degree, right? I figured Houston has a space or aerospace. There was a field station office there at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar that had um, all of the companies that build parts for all of the jets and stuff that we had there, they had a field station office. So you'd have Boeing, you'd have Northrop Grumman, you had Raytheon, you had all of these people, Lockheed, they were all there. One day after I worked out, I put my camis on and I went down there and I walked in and I said, I saw a guy sitting there and I said, I need to talk to someone about getting a job. Like after I get out of the military and he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you need to talk to these two guys in here. I walk into the room and it's these two older men and I tell them, I, you know what, I'm about to get out of the Marine Corps. And this was, I was about six months out. I'm about to get out of the Marine Corps and I have my degree in aerospace engineering and I need to get a job. We These are two retired colonels in the Marine Corps, right? (laughs) Who would have thunk it? One was with Boeing. One was with Raytheon. And so before we even get to the work part, we start knowing people that each other, we know. Finally, at the end of that, I would say our conversation, the one guy says from Raytheon, the colonel, retired colonel, give me your, your uh, resume. And it was at that time it was on those hard disks, like three by five, and I'll send it to some people I know. Three days later after, cause I ran back and i got that resume and everything. And I brought it back to him. Three days later, I was on a phone interview with who would eventually become my man, my very first manager in my civilian career. Mm-hmm. So I, so he was with Lockheed. So they flew me out and who I, you know, you're not thinking like how the civilian work, corporate America really works. So they want to interview me. So they fly me out. So now it's about three months before I get out. And they fly me out. I have an interview with him. I interviewed with another person at Lockheed. And then, I, and then the next weekend they flew me out. And it was with SAIC. They're a safety, reliability, and quality assurance type company. They're again at NASA. So all of these are contractors that work at NASA. And I had an interview there with a couple people. And, you know, and so, but all of those connections, all of those interviews were because I met two retired colonels and every, the interview I got at Lockheed was a retired colonel. His call sign was mad dog. He got the resume and sent it out to everybody. And then somebody at SAIC got my resume and sent it out to everybody. So really, if it wasn't for that military connection, I mean, who knows where it would have been harder to get a job.
0: It was more your personality, just walking right in there like you, like you, you know, you wanted what you wanted and you were going to get it and you did. You know
1: what? I got that piece of advice from a lady I met in the gym because I was always working out in, in, in the Marine Corps and I was in the gym and she was married to Marine Corps officer And she was beautiful. She always was, her hair was always beautiful, blonde, full makeup in the gym. And I struck a friendship with her and I was telling her about my predicament. And she's like, you know what you need to do? You need to get an informational interview. So that's what I had went in. I want to get in. So basically she says with an informational interview, like with any of these corporations, Hey, I just want to see what I need to do to get to get a job here you're in an interview and I didn't even think about that. But so I thought, okay, I'm going to go and see what, you know, these companies down here can do. Maybe I can just ask for an informational interview. So that's sort of what I was doing yeah. based on her help. So it's good to talk to people. I always tell them, like, if you're looking for transition, talk to people, find out what they did. I know sometimes transitioning from military to civilian, cause I've had a lot of my friends who are now 20 years, 25 years. And now they're finally retiring and they want to have the second career. You know, they underestimate themselves. They think, well, I'm not worth very much because I don't know very much. It's like, are you kidding me? Like your mm-hmm. whole mentality, it's like, you know, you're worth a lot. And then I have to tell them, make sure you get the signing bonus. Make sure you get the vacation. Make sure you get the, you know, all the things mm-hmm. I've learned once I was sort of five years out.
0: I have a question about that decision that you made to leave the Marine Corps because that mm-hmm. was your dream. And how many yeah. years did you end up staying in? Five years. Five years. So so how, 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 did that feel like making that yeah. decision? That
1: was real hard. It, it was hard. Um, you know, and, and I think the hardest thing when I, th- when I look back on it and what I missed, I was, I always still to, to today, miss the Marines. I miss the Marines I worked with. I'm, it's just that respect and that loyalty. You don't, you don't have to earn it. Now, when you do earn it, it makes it everything so much better because they're going to do anything for you, but they're going to do anything for you no matter what right? That's just kind of crazy when you think about it. And it's just, um, just those Marines, just that mentality, just that brothers and sisters, and someone's looking out for you. And um, that's what I missed the most. That was the hardest. But I was, you know, in every decision I made was very clear, sort of in my heart that I needed to, you know, I, my, my heart wasn't 100% in it anymore. And right to be a Marine, I felt like to be sort of in the fleet and still and you know with the possibility of you could go to war or anything could happen you don't want to be there only 99 percent right because then I I felt like you could get someone hurt or someone killed at that point Hmm. so I just thought you know what it's just time and it was okay that it was just time you know I thought okay Hmm. I've done my 11 years or whatever it felt like I'm going home to mommy and daddy
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome well I'm glad that you that you we're at peace with that decision. It yes. like it was the right decision. Yeah. But you know, yeah.
1: once a Marine, always a Marine. So yeah, I never yeah. left the Corps. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So, so let's talk a little bit about your, you know, what you did then from that first, first corporate job until, until now.
1: Right. So then I, I took, I took the job with, with, Lockheed Martin. So I had four job offers and I took the one with Lockheed for two reasons. Uh, one, I really liked the manager. I felt like uh, he was interviewing me and I wasn't interviewing him. Because Some of the other ones I felt like I was interviewing them. And I had in this, it was, I took a job as a test director you know, for, it's called the um, simulation space station, test article and basically you get the astronauts into the vacuum chamber in their in their spacesuits that they're going to wear and you basically go through all of the process and protocols that they're going to go through before they they open the airlock and go into a spacewalk and so you have to manage it's a it's managing a cross-functional team you know you've got Mm -hmm. mechanics you've got electricians you've got uh, um, the flight surgeons you've got the flight engineers You've got a, operations, you've got a lot of people uh, flowing. And the manager, one, the manager, uh, James, he told me, he said, if you stay with me for three years, he said, you can go and do any job here at NASA that you ever want to do. I didn't believe him. I really didn't believe him at that point. I thought, well, that's kind of bold. You know, that's kind of, wow. But I liked the job because also in my team of test directors, I had um, my friend Krista, who guess what, was at the Naval Academy with me. She was on our soccer team and a 95 grad. And since I was in back in the Houston area, I had a guy that I went to high school with. And when I saw them, I was like, Oh my gosh. And then when I actually started with the team, there was another Naval Academy grad. Now he was in, he was a 90, was he 92 grad. So when I was coming in, he was leaving. So I was never there at the same time with him. But so I had two Naval Academy grads and a guy I went to high school with. <laughs> hmm, this team was crazy. like top notch. Yeah. You know? yeah. So um, I learned so much there. And at the end of three years, I had a, a guy that I had worked with during this time, he was with a company ILC Dover. He came to me and just knocked on our door and was like, "Can I talk to you for a minute? Are you happy with your job?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm happy." He's like, "Well, we have this opening for a project engineer. I think you'd be great." Okay. Well, I didn't take it at the time. We we ended up getting the contract changed to another um, co- company. It was Jacob Spurdrup. I really wasn't happy that we didn't get to negotiate salaries and this and that and the other. I was also finishing up my MBA with Lockheed. Lockheed paid for my MBA. Um, So I was finishing that up and then I took that job with ILC Dover. I decided to do that. Probably best decision I ever made um, as far as my career because the company, ILC Dover, is owned by a private equity firm and has been and and has been bought again. So there's a lot of uh, room for progression and a lot of um, incentives to stay employed with ILC Dover. But I started as a project engineer quickly was recognized, I think, for the leadership ability I had and just worked through the ranks. I started as a project engineer. I, went, I, I then was like the deputy um, flight group lead. Then I was a flight group lead. Then I was a program manager. Then I was, I, I've had a couple titles, business manager, and now I'm the vice president of space systems. And we make the space suit for NASA. Uh, We make the airbags, the landing airbags for Boeing Starliner vehicle, and Boeing Starliner vehicle is the only vehicle that does a land landing, so our land, our airbags are the ones that facilitate that land landing. We do a lot of inflatable habitats. Uh, NASA is trying to put a deep space gateway um, in cislunar orbit, and that will be your outpost uh, to go to Mars, right? So in order to get to the moon, you got to have an outpost. In order to get to Mars, you got to have an out, some refueling point, you know, that's kind of what it is. So we do we have a lot of those products and i'm the, i manage all of the folks that manage those products
0: <laughs> oh my goodness that is amazing like yeah. i i'm like i could just talk to you for days about all of that i won't bore you yeah that could be stuff. a whole another hour <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i like that that is just i mean you had me at space suits for nasa so right. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, it's so amazing. Awesome. It's
1: like, who do you work for? Oh yeah. We, our company makes the spacesuit for NASA.
0: Wow. Yeah. Like, seriously. Okay. Now I just have to ask this question with everything, because it sounds like you love your job. I can hear it in yes. your voice and, you know, it sounds like just everything you've done, you really love like the Marine Corps. And then you transition to this yeah. and, and, um so how do you feel about that decision to go to the Naval Academy?
1: Having the Naval Academy or any academy for that matter on your resume, it's like get you halfway there. And I say halfway because then we got to see what your personality's like and can you do the job. But but when you know even someone's been in the military but then you add the service academy on there, it's it's all everything you know that those folks have to do to get there. So I so that mm. says a lot about people. I mean, you didn't go to, you know, a reg uh, I say a regular university. This is harder. It is harder. You're doing military and, you know, academics and, and, and physical. So, you know, it's all those hard things that, that push you and you learn about yourself and you learn about people. Those are all good things, because I think when you get to be a general or you get to be an admiral or you get to be a vice president of a company, at that point, you have to be able to manage what today is a very, very diverse team. You know, you can have your opinions and you can have your beliefs, but at the end of the day, you have to respect everyone. You have to learn to bring out those talents in everyone. And I think the Naval Academy or any academy does, you know, puts you, sets the foundation and the first steps for you to learn how to manage people, manage yourself. Cause most of it is just, you know, keeping your big mouth shut. We don't want to hear about your opinion, you know?
0: (laughs) I have to ask though, like, you know, at that time, you know, in the 1990s, through now, um, at any point in any of these experiences, from the prep school to the Naval Academy, to your time in the Marine Corps, to the time at you know, Lockheed Martin and, and now, did you ever feel uh, singled out because you're a minority?
1: The only time I felt it, and I, I never really felt, and I would say minority, not Hispanic, I'll say female. Mm -hmm. I never felt because I don't really look Hispanic. I probably look more Caucasian than Hispanic um, because that's my daddy's, you know, blood. Um, Mm. But I would say the female part. And I felt isolation when I was on deployment, which is probably why I decided, you know, which led me to, I'm not, I don't think this is going to be what I'm going to be doing for the next 20 because, you know, but it was just a lot where I felt like I'm a woman for the first time. That's the first time I felt like I'm a woman. And, uh, if you're not doing certain things, then you're even ostracized what I'll say more, you know? Mm. Um, so that's the one and only time, you know, I would say, cause even in my corporate career, you know, I'm the only, um, executive, only female executive on our executive staff at, at ILC Dover. I'm not the only minority. We do have an Afri- African, American gentleman on our, on our executive staff too. I I don't really feel like um, a female there. Not all the time. And sometimes I'll get feedback like Patty, you know, when you're saying something you need to stop because then it sounds like nagging. And I wonder, Oh, would you say that to a man? You know, but I I take the constructive criticism. I say, okay, I'm going to just say Patty needs to work on this. And it has helped me to just say my piece once or twice and then be done with it and not get Mm -hmm. so emotionally attached into what it is I'm trying to, to propose or something. But I would say the one and only time I felt like a minority where I felt like a female was when I was on a ship with 2000 men and only 200 women. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: If if I was going to go for a run on the steel deck, you know, when, when the, when the uh, aircraft weren't flying or the helos weren't, I had an audience, let's put it that way. And if I was working out, I had an audience. And so I, 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 like I said, struck a friendship with the force reconnaissance Marines and they kept an eye on me when I was working out because most times they were in the gym too. And I just had a lot of, I had a group of people that were looking out for me, but they couldn't be there all the time. And that's when I felt like lonely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And one other quick question about that kind of trajectory piece. Like at what point did you meet your husband?
1: When I started working for Lockheed. So I I, I started working for Lockheed. He was with the chamber operators. Hmm. Um, So he, he, and he was in the Navy too. He was enlisted and he was crash fire on an aircraft carrier. So he's always had that security mentality. And today he owns his own business, Kingsman Group. He's a close protection, executive protection agent. So that's what he does. And that's how I
0: met him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right, Patty. Well, what's next for you? That's
1: a great question because man, the president of our company always asked me like, well, where, where does Patty see herself in five to 10 years? You know? And I don't know why that's a hard question for me because I don't think I have, obviously I told you, I didn't know I was going to go the Naval Academy till my senior year. And since I was so late, I had to go to a year of junior college and a year of prep school to kind of get there. You know, had I started earlier, maybe I could have gotten there faster, you know, so to speak. Um, but, I'll say this. I love what I'm doing. Uh, First of all, I love ILC Dover as a company. I'm excited about the commercialization of space. SpaceX launching their vehicle, the first um, two astronauts on a a commercial vehicle to the International Space Station. You know, so we're launching astronauts from American soil today. The work that Boeing's about to do that in the next year, they'll be launching, you know, our astronauts. All, you know, going to Mars, the commercialization of spacesuits, that's all so exciting. And we've worked so hard to get here now. I'd hate to leave ILC Dover and the industry at this point, because now it's getting exciting. It's mm. kind of weird to say, but it's getting exciting now. Yes. With my kids going to high school for the next four years, I don't want to do any career changes. Really, I I'm might I'm I'm say I'm a wife first, but really the mom is close second to that. So really, until my kids are out of college, um, I really don't want anything to happen, you know, in my career. I don't think I'll ever leave the space industry. That's for sure.
0: Uh, well, it sounds like you're clear with what your priorities are. And that's you yes, know, that's great. You know, you have to um, be right. Yes. All right. So, Patty, before we go, do you have any parting words for listeners, perhaps a key message to your fellow Service Academy sisters?
1: Yes, yeah, so a fellow fellow academy, so you know I, I, no matter what you go through, what you've gone through, you know some of the hardship, i I would take away all of the positives from that, right, and learn from those experiences because you know you will face challenges again, but just remember all of the all of the hard things you've had to go through and all of those things together with your military experience, and just makes you that better leader, and you're always a leader, whether it's a leader in your home, because I know like a lot of my friends have decided, Hey, I want to, I want to stay home with my kids and, and, you know, um, you know, or work from home, no matter what you do, whether you go to corporate America, or you stay home and raise your family. I think you're, you're going to need to have the same preparation for all of it. And I would just say, like you said, you know, figure out what your priorities are, figure you know, don't do anything you don't love doing because you're going to be miserable. So find that thing that you're going to love doing and then just do it wholeheartedly. Right. You know, we all are in the pursuit of happiness here. So you know, just do it, and also just be kind and and appreciate people's differences. Because no matter where you go, you're you're going to have those, and try to just bring out the best in people. And so leave people better than you know they were when when you met them.
0: Awesome, awesome advice, Patty. Um, And finally, what is one random fun fact about you that you can share with listeners?
1: This will be a couple things I've done. Uh, I I was almost about to get my black belt in Taekwondo only three years ago. And five years ago, I picked up playing piano. I mean, all my Life. life. When I, when I was um, a child, I played sports. My, parent, my father mainly was sports, 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 sports. Well, when you're older and now you're making your own money and you can buy your big toys, I, I bought a piano. I learned to take, I'm, I play piano now. Um, I, and, and in my 40s, I was close to a black belt in Taekwondo. Um, so I would say, don't ever stop learning. Don't ever stop doing, you know. I, I see these people who are in their 80s who are getting their college degree or their GED? I'm like, yeah, go for. It. And I'm thinking, should I get another degree in something else? No, I'm not going to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love your energy. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. and that's no small thing to learn how to play the piano when you're older. Know. You know, so and,
1: and I'm such an engineer, so it's yeah. like if the if the music says you're, you know, one finger and five finger, it it's like that. I will never change it. So my <laughs> piano teacher, she, she always laughs. She goes, you know, you can change that up. And she goes, Oh, I know you won't. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm an engineer. I'm a Marine. You tell me I have to do it. That's the way I'm going to do it.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. Where can listeners reach you?
1: Oh, great. Definitely LinkedIn's the best way. I get messages all the time. I, you know, I try to respond to most of them. Some of them are solicitors, but if I know it's someone, if they say, Hey, I heard you on the podcast. I know you went to Naval Academy. I have some questions. I need some advice. Those are the ones that I do respond to. Awesome.
0: All right, and I'll put those. I'll put that link in the in the show notes for people, so thank they can you. easily find you. Um, okay. Patty, it's been awesome hearing your story, and uh, thank you for sharing it with the Service Academy. Yeah, thank sorority. you, Victoria. I hope it helps somebody. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to visit the Service Academy Sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.